Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Today, we are talking about what's going on in the Rust shooting. Last week, we saw reports coming out from ABC that the FBI has actually completed their forensic evaluation, and we saw the coroner actually state a cause of death for Helena Hutchins in the shooting fatality on the movie set of Rust, the gun, of course, being held by Alec Baldwin. I have broken down this case a couple times and his statements, but it's time to take a look not just at what's going on in the criminal investigation from new reports, what happened with the workplace safety investigation. I will probably say it wrong a million times. Emily, how many times will you say OSHA? Probably too many, but that's not what it is in New Mexico. It's the Occupational Health and Safety Bureau. There is another lawsuit that came um, during the Depp Heard suit that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet with relation to the Rust shooting. So today we're going to look at the criminal investigation, what was found in the occupational health and safety investigation, and what's going on with all of the civil lawsuits. It's a lot. There's a lot happening, and there's a lot of new information from that health and safety investigation. I'm really interested to dive into that with you. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Are you ready to be moving on from Depp Heard? Don't worry. The appeals process is ongoing. We'll circle back at some point, I'm sure. But there's a ton going on here. And as I'm recording this, there has been no determination from the district attorney in New Mexico. It doesn't mean that can't happen between recording and release of this episode. And if anything updates, I will make a note or come in with a quick bit just to give you that update. But of course, follow me on the socials to see that. So we should just, we should just get into it. We have a lot to cover today. So let's go. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Life is busy. And when I started this podcast, I didn't expect I would need to be camera ready every day. But then YouTube happened and now here we are. So I look for things that not only make it easy for me to do, but make me look way better than I actually do in real life. And one of the products I have been enjoying so much lately is the Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. Why? Because putting on lashes every day is not practical, not easy. And I'm always worried they're going to pull stuff out when I try to pull them off with the glue on there and everything. And I know that Thrive Cosmetics doesn't use parabens and sulfates, and they're 100% vegan and cruelty-free, and a portion of each purpose goes to support organizations that help communities thrive. So you need to check out the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara for yourself. There's a reason it's their best-selling product, and it comes right off when you wash your face at night so you don't have to scrub at your eye skin. Look, it's delicate skin. Now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash lawnerd. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash lawnerd 
for 15% off your first order. Tag me on social and let me know what you tried. All right, let's get back to today's show. The first thing we're going to look at today comes to us from ABC. They're reporting that they had access to the FBI forensic report that was obtained by them on Friday, August 12th. So let's go through what ABC is reporting about this and what we learn from it with regard to what's happening in the criminal investigation. Again, Helena Hutchins was shot by Alec Baldwin on the set of Rust, fatally injured was the director, Joel Souza. This, by all accounts, seems unintended. There is no evidence at this point uh, that points to the fact that Alec Baldwin knew that this gun was loaded with a live round. It's still unclear how a live round ended up in the gun, but we learned a lot from the allegations made in the lawsuit with regard to the armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, against the prop house and the prop master, Seth Kinney. I covered that over on YouTube and we'll link it in all the appropriate places down below. There's a lot of allegations made about how this might have happened and a lot more information about the fact that a fresh box of rounds showed up that day and she thought she had checked them. There's discrepancies about who handed the gun to Baldwin between interviews Baldwin's given and interviews others have given. And then of course, information released from the New Mexico sheriff with Baldwin's entire interview after this shooting when he said that the armorer handed him the weapon. Other interviews say that before this fatal shooting, he was handed the weapon by the AD Dave Halls. So we will get into all of that as we go through what the FBI is saying. Well, what ABC is saying, the FBI is saying, of course, I hate it when I can't see these reports on my own, um, but we have to rely on the reporting that we have. One day, though, one day, I'm going to just, we're going to be in a position where we get our hands on these things, too. Don't you worry. So ABC tells us that the gun used in the fatal shooting on the Rust movie set could not have been fired without pulling the trigger, according to an FBI forensic report obtained Friday by ABC News. This is a discrepancy from what Alec Baldwin said when he was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. And my breakdown of that interview is going to be linked in the show notes and description down below as well. He said that he released the hammer and bang, the gun went off. Now, when he when all these things happen, do I think that things could have happened quickly and that he might be misremembering how he was grabbing the gun and if his finger was on the trigger? Anything's possible. But what the FBI is saying is that this gun did not accidentally fire in that there was no pulling of the trigger. So let's get into this report a little bit more based on ABC's reporting. They said accidental discharge testing determined that the firearm used in the shooting a 45 or a 45 long Colt caliber um, F dot L-I Pieta single action. I'm probably butchering that terrible. I apologize. I don't know. It's F dot L-L-I. I don't know what that means. Philly? I don't know. Um, single action revolver could not have fired without the trigger being pulled, the FBI report shows. With the hammer in the quarter and half cock positions, the gun could not be made to fire without a pull of the trigger, the report said. With the hammer fully cocked, the gun, quote, could not be made to fire without a pull of the trigger while the working internal components were intact and functional. So they're saying that they've tried the um, 
the hammer in multiple positions. This is relevant because in the ABC interview, Alec Baldwin is showing George Stephanopoulos, I was pulling the hammer back to show the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, how about now? How about now? And then he's like, I let go of the hammer and bang, the gun went off. I never pulled the trigger. The FBI is saying that that could not have happened in the way that he reported it. They said with the hammer decocked on a loaded chamber, the gun was able to detonate a primer, quote, without a pull of the trigger when the hammer was struck directly, which is normal for this type of revolver, the report stated. So they're saying with the hammer decocked, so not all the way pulled back on a loaded chamber, the gun was able to detonate a primer without pulling the trigger when the hammer was struck directly. So could it have potentially happened the way that Baldwin said? I'm still unclear. They're saying with it not all the way cocked back, you can't detonate it. But they are saying that they could detonate the primer without a pull of the trigger when the hammer was struck directly. So could the hammer have been struck directly? I mean, maybe. Maybe that's what Baldwin was trying to describe. They go on to say in this ABC report that in a statement, an attorney for Baldwin said the critical report is the one from the medical examiner who concluded that this was a tragic accident. This is the third time the New Mexico authorities have found that Alec Baldwin had no authority or knowledge of the alleged unsafe conditions on the set and that he was told by a person in charge of safety on the set that the gun was, quote unquote, cold and believed that the gun was safe. It's an interesting statement because the person in charge of safety was Dave Halls, but the person in charge of the weaponry and armor was the armorer. So it's a carefully parsed statement where it still doesn't say who told him that the gun was quote unquote cold and that made him believe that it was safe. The statement from the lawyer continues, the FBI report is being misconstrued. The gun fired in testing only one time without having to pull the trigger. When the hammer was pulled back and the gun broke in two different places, the FBI was unable to fire the gun in any prior test, even when pulling the trigger because it was in such poor condition. So the attorney for Baldwin is saying there's more to this report than necessarily what's being reported. My next inclination is, can we see it then? Can we all just, we would like to read along together. Did you bring enough for the class? But we're getting the attorney's opinion of this report and ABC reporting's opinion of this report, but we have not seen the report through all of my looking. I have not found it. They say that the attorney for Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, the armorer, said that the FBI's report contradicts Baldwin's claim that he didn't pull the gun's trigger. Quote, these new filings demonstrate various production members' attempts from the very beginning to shirk responsibility and scapegoat Hannah, a 24-year-old armorer, for this tragedy. The attorney said in a statement to ABC News, Hannah was tasked with doing two jobs, including props assistant and the very important job as armorer but not given adequate time and training days to do so despite repeated requests or the respect required of the armorer's position and responsibilities. We are going to get into this more when we look at the report from the New Mexico Workplace Safety Authorities because they actually quote some emails that seem to support, from my perspective, what the lawyer for Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is saying. There are emails where she is asking for more time to focus on her duties as the armorer. And we will get into those a little bit later in this episode. The forensic report 
is part of a criminal investigation into an onset shooting. The Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office, which is the leading homicide investigation, received the report and other FBI documents related to this shooting earlier this month. So we know that the sheriff's office has had this for at least some time. I mean, but earlier this month, I mean, we're what, 15, 17 days into this month at the time of this airing. So that's not a ton of time, but hopefully we will see at least some statement with regard to a criminal investigation. Is someone going to be charged with um, some level of negligent homicide? Or are we going to see this as a closed investigation saying this is a tragic accident? No one knew or should have known what was going to happen. No one is criminally responsible for this shooting, which is a possibility. They go on to say that the documents have been reviewed by the New Mexico Office of the Medical Investigator, that's the coroner, which has classified Hutchins' death as an accident, a postmortem report obtained by NBC News shows. Quote, death was caused by a gunshot wound to the chest. Review of available law enforcement reports show no compelling demonstration that the firearm was intentionally loaded with live ammunition on set, the report stated. Based on all available information, including the absence of obvious intent to cause harm or death, the manner of death is best classified as an accident. So we now have information on both the cause of death, gunshot wound to the chest, and the manner of death, which they have classified as accident. And though we've talked about this in other content, just to restate it real quickly here, uh, there are several different manners of death when we talk about manners of death uh, in cases like this. You will generally see coroners list either natural, accidental, suicide, homicide, or undetermined. Those are the five manners of death, the way it happened. Homicide doesn't necessarily mean a criminal homicide. It generally means at the hands of another. But you hear this medical examiner's office in their statement saying that because well, seemingly saying that because there was no obvious intent to cause harm or death, that they were classifying it as an accident. Accidents you'll also see in, you know, vehicular accidents, you'll see a lot the cause of death or the manner of death as an accident. You'll see that in slip and falls and things like that. And then the cause of death is the medical cause of death. And in this case, the gunshot wound. So that's a little bit on the manner and cause of death, which we also now know and that is new information that's come out since the medical examiner received the FBI report. Is the medical examiner's determination binding on law enforcement? No, it's their determination. Hey, we're not finding that this firearm was intentionally loaded. It doesn't mean it wasn't negligently loaded. And there are levels of generally manslaughter, depending on the jurisdiction, they sometimes call it negligent homicide where it doesn't matter if you intentionally and willfully loaded the gun. It's what you did with the gun that could lead to criminal charges. So does this determination mean that there will be no criminal charges for anyone? Not necessarily. Of course, the attorneys for Baldwin are going to say this is very favorable. Could the medical examiner have determined this to be a homicide? I think they could have, but that's going to go on their internal policies and determinations from their office. But yes, technically, this death was caused at the hand of another. She was shot by Alec Baldwin. Whether that shooting is, in fact, an accident, it still could be categorized the other way. I wonder, 
if they always categorize accidents when they can't find an intent to cause harm. I would be curious if that's just their internal policy. And with that, we need to thank today's next sponsor. Lawnard, you know I love to keep things easy and I hate making dinner. Well, I did before Green Chef because trying to figure out grocery shopping and recipes and something that everybody would eat and was new and fresh just felt overwhelming. Green Chef delivers all of it to you in a box. Recipe, ingredients, things I never would have tried. We had the most incredible squash fettuccine with chicken the other night. It was so good. And truly, I wouldn't have tried the squash noodles. They were great. I really enjoyed it. If you are looking for a CCOF meal kit delivery company that not only fits your lifestyle, but also has organic and wild-caught proteins, Green Chef is for you. They can fit your lifestyle. Keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, you name it. They have tons of choices for your meals. If you are ready to try Green Chef, head to greenchef.com slash emilybaker135 and use code emilybaker135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Just go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker135 and use code 135 for that $135 off and free shipping on your first box. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about New Mexico's Occupational Health and Safety Bureau doing an investigation into this movie and what happened on the set of rest with regard to the shooting death of Helena Hutchins, the injury of Joel Souza, and what led up to it. Now, they issued a final report and a citation. They cited Rust Movie Productions LLC upwards of $136,000, which is the highest penalty allowed under state law, according to Law 360. And when I pulled the court records for this, which have now been administratively closed, probably due to the citation being issued, and I imagine we will see updated court filings with that. But we saw um, applications for them really trying to subpoena Dave Halls, the safety officer of the movie. And we're going to look at what they were saying a little bit with trying to get a subpoena for Dave Halls prior to this report coming out and the investigation seemingly being closed with that citation being issued. So what we're looking at first is an expedited application for a memoranda in support of a subpoena. For those of you on audio, you just get to hear me talk about it. But if you're over on the YouTubes, you can see it. So this is under the New Mexico Environment Department, which governs the Occupational Health and Safety Bureau under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. They're doing an investigation into what happened at the Bonanza Creek Ranch during the shooting of the movie Rust. They go through a brief statement of facts saying that NMED has interviewed nine of the approximately 150 employees that were working at an approximate time and have knowledge, have personal knowledge that is helpful to the investigation. However, a key employee with firsthand knowledge of the incident and workplace safety practices in effect at the time has not made himself available for a timely private interview and it is necessary for NMED to interview this employee as soon as possible to obtain the most accurate and candid witness statement. Upon information and belief, this employee is considered management by the company. 
The employee that NMED seeks to interview is Mr. Dave Halls. Mr. Dave Halls was the first AD, assistant director, for the feature film Rust. And upon information and belief, his primary job duties were to coordinate and manage the logistics on set and oversee the health and safety on set. It is NMED's understanding that on the day of the incident, October 21st, 2021, Mr. Halls handed Mr. Baldwin a firearm and yelled cold gun, indicating that the firearm did not contain a live round. And again, this contradicts Baldwin's initial statement to police, where he said that Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was the one who handed him the gun before this happened. It goes on to say that on November 3rd, 2021, NMED attempted to schedule a private interview through Mr. Hall's personal counsel, but Mr. Hall's counsel informed NMED that he will not proceed with an interview until the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office has concluded its criminal investigation and charges have been filed. Interesting the way that that's phrased to me, and it really stuck out not till the investigation is closed until charges have been filed is how NMED is reporting what they were told by Mr. Hall's attorney. It goes on to say, according to Mr. Hall's counsel, the criminal investigation was expected to conclude in approximately three weeks from November 3rd, 2021. Well, that hasn't happened. Um, and it's interesting that they expected the criminal investigation to close so quickly. It seems that this has been a very thorough investigation. On December 2nd, 2021, NMED attempted to schedule a private interview once again with Mr. Hall through personal counsel, but was informed that he will not proceed with the interview until the criminal investigation has concluded. It is unknown when the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office plans to conclude its investigation. However, NMED must complete its investigation within six months from the day of this incident, October 21st, 2021, since, quote, no citation may be issued after the expiration of six months following the occurrence of a violation. An interview with Mr. Halls is necessary to determine whether there has been a violation of the act as part of an ongoing fatality investigation by NMED. And they go on to say why they need the subpoena issued for Mr. Halls. It seems that it was, in fact, issued, but it does not seem from any of the court records that he was... Um, that he presented himself for an interview. And in fact, it is not mentioned that he was interviewed in the investigation summary with the citation then being issued. But now I understand more clearly why they were in such a rush. Again, they had a statutory time limit from the time of the workplace incident here, the shooting at the movie location. So let us go into what their investigation found because they do talk about some very interesting emails with the armor that gives us a peek into what was going on on this set in the run-up to the fatal shooting of Helena Hutchins. On October 22nd, 2021, the Occupational Health and Safety Bureau, OHSB, a bureau within the New Mexico Environment Department, NMED, initiated an inspection of Rust Productions LLC at Bonanza Creek Ranch in Santa Fe County, New Mexico, in response to a workplace fatality that occurred at approximately 1.47 p.m. on October 21st, 2021. The New Mexico Film Office, which is part of the Economic Development Department, initially notified OHSB of the incident on the evening of October 21st, 2021. OHSB was notified of a firearm-related incident occurring that injured two employees with one succumbing to their injuries. And then they go on to list out where the, you know, Bonanza Creek Ranch is, what it is. It says that on Friday, October 22nd, 2021, the investigator attempted to inspect the site. 
but was turned away by the sheriff's office and the company. The sheriff's office had not cleared the site at that point. Then they say on October 24th, 2021, following the sheriff's office release of the site, Russ granted NMED access to inspect the site without a warrant, which makes sense. The criminal investigation is going to take precedence over the workplace investigation. On Monday, October 25th, I conducted an opening conference and walk around of the work site, including the chapel. In attendance were the NMED investigator, compliance supervisor, and assistant general counsel. Representing Rust was Denise Stevens and Gabrielle Pickle, the line producer. Also present was Jessica Hoffman, field representative for IATSE, the theatrical stage employees union. As a quote-unquote low-budget contract film, not all employees were union members. However, it says all employees were covered by a collective bargaining agreement with IATSE. Following the walk-around on October 25th, OHSB held the first closing conference outside the chapel with Gabrielle Pickle and Denise Stevens and informed Rust representatives that OHSB would follow up to schedule employee interviews. And then they go on to how they reached out and contacted individuals to interview them. The findings. The firearm involved in the accident is a modern replica of a Colt 45 caliber quote-unquote long Colt. Rust had 13 such revolvers for the production in total from manufacturers. Um, and then it Piete, Uberti, and Cimarron. In film, firearms are typically controlled by the props department with the individual responsible for handling the firearms and ammunition titled armor or weapons handler. The armorer in this film was Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Her immediate supervisor was Sarah Zachary, props master. Nicole Montoya, props assistant, provided support to Zachary and Gutierrez-Reed. The Rust props department was small and for administrative purposes was placed under the art department headed by Brian Norvell, who provided support for props but rarely worked with Zachary or Gutierrez-Reed. Ryan Smith, the producer, was identified as overseeing the overall production. A management representative for Rust was Gabrielle Pickle, line producer, who directly hired individuals and crew, approved work hours, and had authority to counsel or discipline employees in any department. Her immediate subordinate was Catherine, quote-unquote, Roe Walters, the unit production manager, who shared similar authority. Also on the management team was Dave Halls, the first AD and safety coordinator, who was the set manager and responsible for general workplace safety, who was a peer in authority to Gabrielle Pickle and Roe Walters. Alec Baldwin, actor-producer, and Joel Souza, director, negotiated with various producers to help create and fund the project. They then talk about who reported to who and how they corresponded, with Hannah Gutierrez-Reed reporting directly to Sarah Zachary, and Sarah Zachary reporting up the chain to Brian Norvell, and then Brian Norvell reporting to Roe Walters, and Walters up the chain to Pickle. Due to the nature of her position as sole armorer for Rust, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed regularly corresponded with Gabrielle Pickle directly via text and emails. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed performed armorer duties, such as demonstrating that the firearm was cold or hot, with Dave Halls. Dave Halls was also responsible for identifying or correcting hazardous conditions related to firearm safety. And then it goes into the armorer duties, talking about the fact that she was responsible for handling the firearms, maintaining them, storing them, getting them ready for the actors to use them, and for everything really involving the firearms. It then lays out that in an email conversation that occurred on October 10th, 2021, Gabrielle Pickle informed Gutierrez-Reed that she was allowed eight paid days at the armorer's rate in her contract to perform armorer tasks, and the rest of her time was to be spent as a props assistant. So we're seeing that at the beginning of this, 
there is already a limitation on the amount of days allowed to be dedicated to armorer tasks at the armorer pay rate. It's quite interesting to note because when we look at the Hannah Gutierrez Reed lawsuit against Seth Kinney, there was some reference to how much she was being paid for this film. And to me, it seemed quite low. I wonder if that's because it was constrained by these eight days as the armor at the armor rate. They talk about the ammunition coming from PDQ Arm and Props in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which we also see a lot more of in the Hannah Gutierrez Reed versus PDQ Arm and Props lawsuit. The prop master stated that Russ did not intend to have live rounds on set. Live rounds may be distinguished from dummy rounds by either a small hole in the brass cartridge, indicating that there's no powder, by a missing or dimpled primer at the bottom of the cartridge, or by shaking the round and hearing the distinct clatter of BB within. Unless a round is removed from a storage box or firearm and inspected, it cannot be verified as a dummy round. So you have to physically inspect the rounds. They say that on October 14th, Gabrielle Pickle emailed Gutierrez-Reed addressing armorer and key assistant prop duties, stating, quote, it has been brought to my attention that you are focusing far more on armorer and not supporting props as needed. In the same email, Ms. Pickle informed Gutierrez-Reed that the, quote, production and AD team have seen twice that there was a shotgun left unattended after a scene. Ms. Pickle went on to state that she needed quote, some type of check-in out system put in place immediately. It's interesting that in the same email, and of course we don't have the entire context of the email, but in their findings, they're listing out, you're spending too much time on armorer work, but also you're not doing enough of your armorer work and you need a check-in and check-out system. They say that Gutierrez-Reed responded by email the same day, stating the armorer job was, quote, a very serious job And since we've started, I've had a lot of days where my job should only be to focus on the guns and everyone's safety. Gutierrez-Reed later in the same email stated, there are working guns on set every day, and those are ultimately going to be the priority because when they are not, that's when dangerous mistakes can happen. This is April 14th, 2021, that these emails are being exchanged ahead of the fatality on set on October 21st. I'm sure that all the civil attorneys are going to be, if they have not already, subpoenaing these email correspondences immediately because, again, they go to show what was going on on set beforehand, which if the producers know that the armor is saying, I need to focus on this, mistakes can happen, and they're saying, no, you don't have enough time to focus on this, you need to be doing other things as well, it can set up a very tragic circumstance, which is exactly what we saw happen here. On October 16th, there were two firearm misfires on the Russ set, and we get more information about those. The first one, Sarah Zachary fired a blank round. They say inadvertently fired a blank round as she finished loading the 45 caliber rifle that was aimed at the ground. So the prop supervisor or the prop master was loading the revolver. It was my understanding from everything I've seen in this case and researching this case that only Hannah Gutierrez-Reed should have been doing that. So I don't know why Sarah Zachary was loading rounds into the revolver on October 16th, but that was one of the two misfires. It says then to return the hammer to a closed position and make the firearm safe, the operator must hold the hammer and depress the trigger, guiding the hammer to the closed position deliberately. In the case of the first misfire, the hammer slipped from Ms. Zachary's thumb or fingers, likely resulting in the firing pin on the hammer striking the primer, which ignited the powder, firing the blank round. 
The second misfire on October 16th involved Blake Texaria, a stunt double for Alec Baldwin, and a lever-action revolver of unknown make and model. It is not known how the misfire happened, as according to some statements, he was alone in quote-unquote the cabin, and others state he was not alone. Gutierrez-Reed stated that Blake's only comment was it just went off. Gutierrez-Reed described that it was probable that the rifle fired by being placed on the ground too roughly. Shouldn't it just be handed back to her, though? Why are we just putting rifles on the ground? On October 17th, 2021, Gutierrez-Reed sent a text message to Gabrielle Pickle stating, quote, hey, we're on day eight of Armor Days, so if there's gunfire after this, you may want to talk to the producers, end quote. Ms. Pickle replied that same day, there would be, quote, no more training days. It says trading, but they clarify. So no more trading, sick days. Um, Ms. Gutierrez-Reed then asked to clarify, quote, unquote, training days, question mark. Pickle responded, like training Alec and such. So on October 17th, time is running out, no more training. Like there will be no more training days. On October 20th, 2021, Lane Looper, the first assistant camera, resigned, citing safety concerns, among other issues, and stated in an email to Roe Walters, quote, during the filming of gunfights on this job, things are often played very fast and loose. So far, there have been two accidental weapons discharges and one SFX explosive that have gone off around the crew between takes. Looper went on to state, quote, to be clear, there are no safety meetings these days. There have been no explanations as to what to expect for these shots, end quote. So we have now multiple emails where people are saying this is a problem. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed saying, look, we're running, you know, I need to focus on this job. And we have somebody resigning saying this is being played very fast and loose. On October 21st, 2021, Dave Halls handed the 45 caliber Colt revolver loaded with what were assumed to be dummy rounds to Alec Baldwin. Baldwin aimed the revolver towards Helena Hutchins and Joel Souza and a projectile was fired, striking Hutchins and Souza. Their conclusions were that as a result of the inspection, OSHB determined that Rust was responsible for a serious violation of New Mexico's Occupational Health and Safety Act. And then they go into the fact that the movie did not adhere to their own internal safety procedures, and they list out all of the different safety procedures, similar to what we've seen in some of the lawsuits that have been filed. And they go through all of the different procedures that should have been followed that weren't to come to the ultimate conclusion. Rust did not provide staff responsible for ensuring firearm safety with sufficient time to inspect ammunition received to ensure that no live rounds were present. The first misfire, which occurred on October 16th, presented a hazard to Sarah Zachary and any employees nearby. Rust failed to address the hazardous condition and reinforce adherence with their own protocols. Rust management, including Gabrielle Pickles and Roe Walters, ignored concerns of firearm misfires on set, according to statements taken by OHSB. Dave Halls, the safety coordinator, was present on set when the first accidental discharge occurred, but did not discuss the incident with staff, report the incident to producers, review the incident as safety coordinator, ensure Sarah Zachary took appropriate actions with respect to safety protocol, or take any other corrective measures. According to employees interviewed, including Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, crew members verbally expressed their surprise and discomfort with Rust Management's lack of action regarding workplace safety. They go on to conclude that the employer Rust Movie Productions, LLC, demonstrated plain indifference to the hazards associated with firearms 
by routinely failing to practice their own safety protocols, failing to enforce adherence to safety protocols, and failing to ensure that the handling of deadly weapons was afforded the time and effort needed to keep the cast and crew safe. Additionally, the employer disregarded or otherwise did not follow up, ask questions, or try to understand what happened when employees notified management about the misfire incidents and not feeling safe on set. The safety coordinator was present on set and took no direct action to address the safety concerns. Management was provided multiple opportunities to take corrective actions and chose not to do so. As a result of these failures, director Joel Souza and cinematographer Helena Hutchins were severely injured. Helena Hutchins succumbed to her injuries on October 21st, 2021. Recommendations based on the above finding, I recommend a willful serious citation with penalties to be issued to Rust Movie Productions, citing the plain indifference to the recognized hazards associated with the use of firearms on set. And that gave us, I think, a lot more information. I'm sure the civil attorneys are all also getting this information, the emails. This is going to be part of their discovery process in the flood of civil litigation that is still ongoing in this case. And we're just going to do a quick check-in with all of the civil litigation going on with regard to this rust incident right now. But first, a thank you to our sponsor. Are you still trying to squeeze every last drop out of summer? I get it. It's August. The weather's still nice. You know, it's time. Sun's out. Let's go. But you've got to take care of the hair down there. And you know how easy Manscaped makes it. Look, you don't need to hurt your back trying to like do all the grooming things. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a light in it so that you are making sure you can keep an eye on your bits and pieces as you are trimming your bush. It's fantastic. Make sure you check out the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It has everything he needs for his package. And you know what? It works for your bits and pieces too. This package comes with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, one of my favorites. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Look, it's still warm. We don't need to be musty. The Crop Reviver Toner and Performance Boxer Briefs. Dr. B absolutely loves those. So make sure you are ready to enjoy the last moments of summer and get 20% off plus free shipping with code LAWNERD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code LAWNERD at manscaped.com. Make the most of what remains of your hottest summer yet. With regard to the civil litigation, there is a lawsuit going on between Hannah Gutierrez-Reed and the Prop House in New Mexico. There is the wrongful death lawsuit brought by Helena Hutchins, surviving spouse and child. There is a lawsuit from the script supervisor, Mamie Mitchell, against the production company and others. There is the gaffer lawsuit, uh, Sven Sventnoy, against essentially the same group of people as the Mamie Mitchell suit. Those are both going on in Los Angeles. There's been quite a lot of litigation in the script supervisor suit. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then there is a new lawsuit that, well, new that we haven't discussed yet. It was filed February 4th, 2022 from the medic on set, Sherilyn Schaefer, against a lot of the same group. Rust Movie Productions, LLC, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, Sarah Zachary, Dave Halls, PDQ Arm and Prop, Seth Kinney, Bonanza Creek Film Locations, Bonanza Creek Ranch LLC, and Shannon Hughes. 
that suit does not independently name Alec Baldwin or his production company that we've seen named in so many of these other lawsuits. And this is another essentially uh, infliction of emotional distress and negligence lawsuits. So this lawsuit, the medic describes that they were on set for safety, hydration, small issues, and then ended up being the person that was, you know, in the thick of it when Helena Hutchins was shot. And they are seeking numerous counts, count one being negligence and negligence per se against all defendants, count two being intentional infliction of emotional distress. We will talk about that a lot because it's it's in some of the other lawsuits as well, and it's going to be difficult to prove intentional infliction of emotional distress. If no one knew that there was a bullet in that gun, it can't necessarily be intentional. Count three, prima facie tort. So it's a problem on its face because of the thing that happened. Misrepresentation is count five. Count, sorry, that was count four. Count five is premises liability against Shannon Hughes, Bonanza Creek, and Bonanza Creek Ranch. Count six is circumstantial evidence of negligence, race ipsiloquitur, which is not a cause of action everywhere, but race ipsiloquitur means the thing speaks for itself. And so they're saying this thing happened. It can't have happened without negligence. Like there, obviously there had to be negligent because this happened. This doesn't happen without negligence. So it's very interesting to see a race ipsiloquitur cause of action. This is filed in New Mexico. I'm very interested to see how that progresses. Intentional spoliation of evidence against defendants Rust Movie Productions, PDQ Armand Prop, and Seth Kinney, saying that following the shooting of Lime Ammunition and the death of Helena Hutchins on Rust, the known potential for criminal prosecution and civil lawsuits existed. Defendants Rust Movie Productions and others knew the potential for the lawsuit. And then they said that defendant Rust Movie Productions, in fact, set it sent its own preservation and litigation hold letter to its employees demanding preservation of evidence and potential evidence. Despite written notice to preserve all potentially relevant evidence, this lawsuit is alleging that Seth Kinney and PDQ Arm and Prop intentionally disposed of, destroyed, or significantly altered crucial evidence in the lawsuit, including the remaining live ammunition of reloaded rounds in Starline brass casings that he had received from Thiel Reed that matched the live ammunition round uh, reload rounds in Starline brass casings he provided to Rust. They say that defendant Kinney's destruction of evidence was solely intended to disrupt or defeat potential lawsuits. It's a very interesting allegation that we have not seen in other lawsuits. We've seen a lot of allegations about Seth Kinney and PDQ Arm and Prop in Hannah Gutierrez Reed's lawsuit against him, but we have not seen this spoliation, which is always hard for me to pronounce of evidence spelled out so clearly. And again, this is a civil lawsuit. These are allegations, but we are now seeing allegations that the the rounds that were potentially the other rounds were destroyed. My question in this, and this is what kind of raises my spidey sense, is wouldn't those have all been in police custody? Shouldn't those have all been in police custody? So the police should have taken all of the rounds that were on set. So I wonder if they are referring to things that were at the prop house. And if so, how do they know that they were destroyed? It's a very serious allegation. And I have a lot of questions about it because everything that was on set should be in the custody of the sheriff's department. So I have questions, which is why, again, allegations are allegations. And we read these things with a curious mind saying, 
okay, but what else could also be true and what else is also happening here? But they do say or allege that they destroyed or significantly altered crucial evidence, including the remaining live ammunition of reloaded rounds. I wonder if what they're referring to is the ones at the prop house. I guess we'll see. Count eight is negligent entrustment of chattel. Chattel, again, meaning property. And that's negligently entrusting it to Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Count nine is negligent hiring, training, and supervision against the production, Russ Movie Productions. Count 10 is products liability and strict products liability against the prop house with regard to the uh, the rounds provided. The prayer for relief is for actual and special damages um, proven at trial and demanding a six-person jury appropriate for the jurisdiction and the types of allegations here. We're also seeing a jury trial demand in the wrongful death lawsuit. And in that lawsuit, we're seeing a jury demand of 12 is what I thought I saw in that jury trial demand. Let's just pull it up. Emily, let's just go to the tape here. And what I pulled up um, for those on YouTube is the jury trial demand in the wrongful death suit. Hannah Gutierrez read by and through her attorneys hereby demands a jury of 12 persons. And that is in, again, the wrongful death lawsuit. So if that's the appropriate amount, that's what they're requesting as a jury trial of 12. In the wrongful death lawsuit, there has been a lot of litigation. We're starting to see the answers coming in um, of, you know, the general denials, which we haven't seen cross complaints in that case yet, but we have seen the beginnings of litigation. In the lawsuit with regard to the medic, and I'm calling people by their job titles just because there are so many lawsuits at this point, it's easy to be like, oh, this is the armorer, this is the script supervisor, this is the medic, this is the gaffer, and we can kind of keep context of who we're talking about. There's been a lot of litigation with regard to the medic because we're starting to see cross claims. And if you want me to go deeper into that lawsuit on its own, please let me know in the comments um, and let me know on social media. And we will go into that one and what the cross complaints are. A lot of the cross complaints are um, you know, businesses saying, no, I'm not responsible for this. That person is. And then we've seen a lot of litigation with regard to the script supervisor lawsuit. In that lawsuit, we're now on the second amended complaint because there have been numerous demurs. And what we're starting to see in court in California with regard to Mamie Mitchell's lawsuit is that the court is struggling with the intentional infliction of emotional distress when no one knew that this gun was going to go off, when it seems that Baldwin himself did not know that the gun was loaded with a live round. So where is the intent and how do you even get past the initial pleading stage of that? But um, we've got a continuous flow of updated amended complaints. So now we have a second amended complaint. So the demurs from Baldwin and others are likely to be taken off calendar as moot. Those are set to be heard in September, but they were all filed during the first amended complaint. Now we have a second amended complaint. So I think we're going to start to see this complaint, at least with regard to Mamie Mitchell, be pared down on the allegations. So let's take a look at the allegations that remain in the second amended complaint, because this is where most of the litigation is taking place right now. Though. Others are going to start to have their pretrial litigation as well as they, um, you know, as the timing in each jurisdiction can be a little bit different. So the second amended complaint is for assault and battery, 
intentional infliction of emotional distress, and negligence. This is Mamie Mitchell, the script supervisor, suing Rust Movie Productions, LLC, Baldwin, Baldwin's company, Eldorado Pictures, Ryan Donnell Smith, Langley Cheney, Tom, Thomasville Pictures, Inc., or sorry, Thomasville Pictures, LLC, Nathan Klinger, Ryan Winterstein, Short Porch Pictures, LLC, um, and Jewel, I think it's Nigam, and Brittany House Pictures, which seems to be Nigam's company, Matthew Del Piano, Calvary Media, Inc., Gabrielle Pickle, Third Shift Media, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, Sarah Zachary, Seth Kinney, Dave Halls, Catherine Walters, Chris Sharp, Jennifer Lamb, Emily Alverson, and Streamline Global. So those are all of the defendants. Numerous defendants have been filing demurs. Not all of the defendants have responded yet, and this will continue on. Do I think some of these defendants will be weeded out or some of these causes of action will be uh, tailored down in this pretrial litigation? Probably, based on what the judge has ruled in other cases. I went over the judge's last ruling on YouTube, and I will link that down below, because on the podcast, I really do try to keep the episodes topical, and then the deep dives are on YouTube. So I will link that if you want to go look at what the judge's thought process was behind this intentional infliction of emotional distress case, because it is going to be a problem, because the action was it intentional? Well, you don't know the gun's going to go off if you don't know the gun's going to go off. So that's where they're going to have some factual issues in these pleadings. But we will see if they survive that initial pleading stage. I think we might see with the intentional infliction causes of action in all of these lawsuits, um, some of those narrow down a bit. What we clearly have is negligence. Where that negligence is going to fall and at whose feet that negligence is going to be put at we're going to go with producers first and then go down the road from there. But what we're seeing in the emails that we just went through from the investigation of the OHSB is that there were emails of concern. People were raising concerns. Now, who knew that and when is going to be very interesting to know. But also when you look at corporations and production, you know, when are we having assumed knowledge of, look, this management team knew this. So it was known on set. And we also, of course, still have, um, well, I haven't seen any resolution of it, but Alec Baldwin asking that he go to arbitration with Rust Movie Productions, LLC, and Ryan Smith saying, hey, this needs to go into arbitration and that part of it, anything going on between him and Rust Movie Productions needs to be in arbitration and he needs to be protected by the production company, essentially, with all of these lawsuits going on. It's quite a lot of litigation. Um, the level of detail I always struggle with, especially in you know the podcast and on YouTube, how much detail do we want in the ins and outs of these litigations? Do we want to go through all the pretrial motions? I'm here for it. Do we want to look at the demurs and the arguments and the case law or do we want to be like, this is generally what's happening and, and keep up with them that way? You let me know your thoughts on that. I would love to know. But for today, we are still waiting to see if this criminal investigation will be closed. We have a lot more information than we did just a week ago, because now we know the cause of death, the manner of death from the coroner. We know what the FBI has determined, that this gun wasn't just malfunctioning, that it wasn't misfiring, or at least that's how it's being reported by ABC. We'll see if we get uh, to see that report as it's 
filed and other things are released to the public. If it is, I will cover it. And then all of the civil lawsuits, which could go on for a substantial amount of time. At some point, Rust Movie Productions has to figure out how they are going to resolve these lawsuits. Of course, the most serious being the wrongful death lawsuit and going from there. Or when I say serious, the one with the most potential for um, the highest dollar amount. Because of course, when you're looking at civil lawsuits, they are not punishing anyone criminally. They are seeking money um, to fix or right the wrong. Of course, it's never going to right the wrong when someone loses their life. But that is where the most amount of money um, will likely go. So they're going to have to figure out how they are addressing these lawsuits, if they are resolving these lawsuits, if they are going to make Helena Hutchins, you know, widow and child fight this out in court, or if they are going to try to come to some sort of an agreement, which I very much hope that they are able to. Litigation is stressful for everyone involved, more so after the tragic loss of a spouse. But again, insurance companies are going to be involved. Um, lots and lots of lawyers are involved. And this is going to take a long time to see how the litigation shakes out. So let me know what you want to know. And we will cover it next. I appreciate you being here. So we should just, we should grab a glass and, and say the things. We should say the things. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being all honored. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well. May your gas and groceries not be a million dollars every time you go to the store. It's just, it's just. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the next one. Thank you for being here.